It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. Happy Monday to you. Even though it's a gloomy Monday in Cincinnati, probably a gloomy Monday for you, the Cincinnati Bengals, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I'm James Erpine. It's great to be with you. This is the only Bengals podcast that comes at you daily. Every single weekday, if you missed yesterday, um, we had a post-game podcast where you heard from Marvin Lewis and... C.J. Uzama, Dre Kirkpatrick, A.J. Green, Dave Lapham, Dan Horde. You can check that out at LockedOnBengals.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the iHeartRadio app. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic coming up in 20 seconds or so. There's a ton at LockedOnBengals.com. There's a good breakdown from former Bengal Andrew Hawkins on the final play there uh, where Antonio Brown ripped out your heart and jumped on it and stomped on it as the, the Steelers won 28-21 yesterday. Um, and there's a ton more. I've written about the Bengals, two different articles. One was a, an instant reaction I wrote at Paul Brown Stadium and then five thoughts on the Bengals' loss uh, when the dust settled that uh, I published around midnight. That's also on Twitter. I tweeted out links to all this stuff, at James Erpine. At Locked On Bengals. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic joins us every single week for our weekly Bengals film review. And we have so much to talk about. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and check out his work for The Athletic. It is amazing stuff. And uh, Joe is with us now. Joe, I appreciate the time as always. Um, there, there's so many things I, I want to ask you about. And the first one is going to be what I think the majority of, of our listeners, the majority of fans were so concerned about, and it's the defensive line. Big Ben, I think, was technically hit, according to the official scorebook, twice. He was not knocked down, I don't think. Um, he certainly wasn't sacked. He was barely touched. And all we've talked about is how good this pass rush could be for the Bengals. You went back and you watched the film why did Big Ben, why was it so clean for him? Because I didn't see a stain on his jersey when he was walking into the locker room after the win. What was uh, what was the key to that? Was it the Bengals' defensive line struggling? What was it? It was, yes, of course they struggled. But the Steelers neutralized them before the Bengals even, you know, jumped off the ball or the ball was snapped, before the play even started. The, the, the pay, I mean, the, I keep wanting to say the Patriots. The Steelers will go out there with two wide receivers, um, and Vance McDonald, Xavier Grimble, or, or Jesse uh, James as the tight ends, and they'd, they'd flex those guys out or put them in the slot, especially Vance McDonald. They used him like a slot receiver a lot. Um, so the Steelers re- heavily were a two-wide receiver team in this game, and that's not, that's not typical for them. So the Bengals countered with two wide receivers. They counter in their base 4-3 defense. And because of it, like I've got the game rolling right now as we talk, um, right now the defensive line as I'm watching this is Jordan Willis, Andrew Billings, Josh Tupau, and Michael Johnson. You're not going to get a pass rush on that. That, that defensive line is probably your four worst pass rushers of the guys that play. Uh, and there was a lot of that. You look, Carl Lawson played 22 snaps. You can't have that. He's one of your best guys. If you're going to get a pass rush, it's Carl Lawson, Geno Atkins, and Carlos Dunlap. And that trio played their least amount all, than they have all season with 106 snaps combined. Um, 
a lot of it was that, was that the Steelers dictated the Bengals' defensive personnel and kept them out there with, with Billings or Tupau out there. They played 76 snaps combined. The, the, the Steelers only had 74 offensive snaps, so that means a couple goal line plays, both those guys were out there. But what it means is they had a big nose tackle that really can't rush the passer uh, for most of the game out there. And Billings did have, I think, two pressures and a hit on Big Ben, but at the same time, it's not – Geno Atkins. It's not Sam Hubbard. It's not Michael Johnson when you kick him inside. It's not Jordan Willis when you kick those guys inside. They're much better in there. You know, so when you look at it, I went through the first half and they've only had six real opportunities to rush the passer out of about 18 passes. And it's because um, most of them were coming on early downs for the Steelers. They're really smart with it, going out there with heavy personnel, passing out of that while the Bengals couldn't get a pass rush, or going off of play action, just really killing the Bengals' uh, um, upfield rush. And, and when they did get chances, you saw a lot of, like Carlos Dunlap, trying to contain and make sure they kept Ben in the pocket because, it was, as we've seen, when you give him too much time and he can move, that's when things get scary. That's when the Steelers really push the ball down the field and are able to, to complete these long passes. The Bengals' defense did a good job of making everything stay short, stay within 10 yards. Uh, the big play really wasn't there too often until the end of the game. Um, but at the same time, the pass rush was just not there. Didn't have the chance, didn't have the opportunities. I, I'm going to write about that this week, though, James. I'm going to say what they got to do with Carl Lawson because they got to get him out on the field more often. And really yeah. it comes down to playing him in kind of a semi linebacker, defensive end, and edge role. Go watch Vaughn Miller for the, for the Broncos. He's, he's listed as a linebacker, called a linebacker, but he's playing the edge position every single snap. I don't care if you stand him up, put him down. When it's time to rush a passer, it's time to rush a passer. But you can't have 60% of these plays where he's not on the field because you're afraid they're going to run the ball when they actually end up passing it most of those plays. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. I just, yeah, it's not to me it's not rocket science, and this is going to be a theme because I want – on offense, I want the best players touching the ball. And on defense, you want your best pass rushers, especially when you haven't touched Ben, out there to get after him. Why not line him up at linebacker? Heck, you could, uh, with the way the Bengals are playing at linebacker, I don't even care if you take one of these linebackers that aren't performing anyway, and when Lawson's in there, you just have him blitz. I don't care. Have him get after Ben Roethlisberger or get after the quarterback. Like He, he doesn't have a sack this year, and I know he's generated pressure based on our talks over the past weeks, but yesterday was a day where it was, and you've seen this, it's an AFC North matchup, which means what? You're going to have to get after the quarterback, you're going to have to take care of the ball, and you're going to have to run the football. And the Steelers, they took care of their quarterback, they ran the football, and they did everything they needed to win. That's why they won. It wasn't just the last play, and I know we'll talk about it and all that stuff and leaving time on the clock. The Steelers, if you look at the numbers from first downs, yards gained, whatever metric, average yards per play, they dominated. And they dominated. One reason why is because their Hall of Fame quarterback was upright all game. And Carl Lawson, who I think coming into the year, true or false, did you expect, I kind of thought he might be their best pass rusher, period. Uh, on the edge, and so why would you only have he him out be. there for twenty? Yeah, so why would you only have him out there for twenty snaps? Like to me, he's got to be out there. It makes no sense, Joe. You can't let the Steelers dictate what you're going to do, and the Bengals on offense and defense let the Steelers dictate how the Bengals were going to operate. And it, 
I want my team to be the aggressor. I want the Bengals to be the one that says, you know, I don't care if you're going to go out there with two tight ends and you're going to flex out Vance McDonald. I'm, we'll go out there in a nickel. Fine. I guess Darquez Denard is covering Vance McDonald. He would have done better than the linebackers. You know, and yeah, it exposes you a little bit to the run game. But the, at the end of the day, it's quarterback versus quarterback, and it, that's what's going to change this game. And if they're not applying pressure because they've got four defensive linemen out there that can't rush the passer, then – you're, you're already lost on that play. And so there was a lot of plays Atkins was out there, and a lot of plays Dunlap was out there. I think Dunlap had a couple pressures. Um, Atkins had probably his worst game as, that I can remember, to be honest with you. Uh, and that's going to happen. Fine. Okay, Atkins had a down game. He's had a million fantastic performances. But at the same time, you cannot – take yourself out and allow them to just take one of your healthy good players, right? Because their guys are dropping like flies, and you're, you're choosing to not play Carl Lawson because you're afraid they're going to run it on him. That, to me, is, is crazy. We've got to get our best guys out there. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Joe. And the other thing, speaking of best guys out there, and this is the Locked on Bengals podcast. This is our weekly film review with Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Um, this is my biggest takeaway from yesterday, and, and I get the defense I understand all of that, but in an AFC North game, especially against Pittsburgh, when the weather was fine, it was dreary, it was kind of chill, it was like 50 degrees, but that's fine for football weather, but but it was raining a little bit, you know going into it, hey, we're going to need to run the ball. Like, that. that's just something always. For the rest of time, the Bengals going into their matchup with the Steelers, one of the keys to their offense is going to be, we need to run the ball. And what's crazy to me is Andy Dalton delivers. He, you know, he he completes 26 of 42, has four drops on the day. You, you could argue at least four <laughs> drops on the day. Um, has a 90-plus quarterback rating, two touchdowns. He's playing well uh, behind an offensive line that is just okay. And you do run the ball. Joe Mixon runs the ball well, Has averages eight yards per carry in the first half, only gets five attempts for 40 yards, has a, a pickup of 17 yards uh, with 12.30 to go in the second quarter. And I wrote about this at LockdownBengals.com. After that, he gets six carries the rest of the game. Total. So 12.30 to go in that second quarter, right? He only had three carries from that moment, 12.30 to go in the second quarter, through the fourth quarter. So between then and when the fourth quarter started, he only touched the ball three times out of the backfield with handoffs. Like, that to me is insane. And when we're talking about a pass rush that can't get to Big Ben, we're talking about a defense that struggled against James Conner and ultimately broke because they were on the field for 10 minutes more than the Steelers' defense. Bill Lazor, this was the worst game for me that Bill Lazor's had this year because he could have relied on the run game. Mixon was running the ball effectively, and instead he was checking out on second and third down at times. They were subbing in Mark Walton. I just I don't understand it at, at all. Yesterday was a game where you ride Mixon and you find a way to win. I, I think they lost the game, by the way, in the third quarter. Mixon only gets three carries, and they only have four total yards. They should have gotten him involved more. Sustained drives would have mattered there. Uh, instead, they didn't. Y- your thoughts on how they used Joe Mixon when you went back and you watched the game? I- am I am I accurate there, or am I exaggerating too much? It felt like last year's game when Mixon looked really good in the first half, right? And then that they never went back to him. They never. They really just kind of forgot about him. Yep. And some of the criticism on Laser and when he was the coordinator in Miami was that he would often forget about the run. Um, and here's one of those cases, I guess. But at the same time, there were. 
there were a lot of stretches where Joe Mixon wasn't in the game, and I thought yeah. maybe he's hurt. Is something going on? Do they not like him in pass protection? Because Mark Walton was coming in. I mean, we're talking about a rookie. That, yeah, he's supposed to be one of those guys that is good in pass, pass pro and, and good on special teams, a heady guy. But at the same time, if he's already ahead of Mixon in pass protection, that's a little concerning. And, and I thought, okay, maybe they're giving him a breather, but then every time they go out there and shotgun him, like, well, where's Mixon again? You know, at the very least, I want him running a route to, to pull a defender out of there, and that's what they've done all year. So not too, not so much criticism that way in saying, you know, we're not having Mixon as a weapon because they've really done that. And I think he was targeted seven times in this game. Uh, but at, at the same time, there was, there was instances where they're coming out there with an extra offensive lineman because they're down at tight end. So Jake Fisher's coming in. They bring in both tight ends that they do have, C.J. Uzama and Mason Shrek. And they're running it with eight block blockers against nine in the box for the Steelers. And they're not getting anything. Well, of course you're not. What are you doing? When you've had success in this game and all season, it's because you're going out there three wide receivers and you're letting the T.J. Watt pass rush up the field and Bobby Hart just has to run them out of the play. Bobby Hart and Alex Redman opened some holes because those guys are trying to pass rush. It's easy at this point. Willie Anderson was doing a great job tweeting during the game, and he was talking about it, running zone from shotgun. He I loves it as an offensive lineman, and, and the Bengals were doing it. And Willie's like, yeah, look at this. This looks fantastic. And I... It's what we've been talking about for years, I think, James, and and they're doing it. And it's like, yeah, this is how they've gotten it all year because if you look, Joe Mixon, I think, has broken four tackles all season. He's got the lowest um, elusive rating on pro football focus of the guys who, who are carrying the load. It's because they're opening these lanes and these holes are so wide that – you know, he hasn't had to break the tackles, and he's still being very productive. So, and then they go away from it. They bring everyone in tight. They go heavy. You talk about the third third quarter losing the game. Um, that, first, that third quarter, they remember, they, they score at the end of the second, right, to tie the game up at 14. They get the ball to start the third now. So back-to-back drives, basically. Alex Erickson returns at 51 yards to the 49-yard line. You're starting on the Steelers' end. And they go basically three and out and punt it from the 40 because of a, a third down call. Joe Mixon gets, gets zero because um, you bring everyone in tight. What are, you, what are we doing? Well, dude, run what got you there. You know, spread yeah. the defense out. The Steelers want you to bring it in tight. And you know, what the Steelers, you know what defenses want you to do? They want you to punt it on fourth down. They would be scared if you went for it on, on fourth. With fourth and one with Joe Mixon, with A.J. Green and um, Tyler Boyd, he, that's you go for that situation. As soon as they punt it, I felt like, man, you're giving up an opportunity. What do the Steelers do? They go 88 yards. They should have scored a touchdown on that drive. It was a great goal line game by the defense. Exactly. My the point is, it didn't work. I don't care if they got three or seven. It did not work playing that field position in that scenario. That was a bad decision. And and from that point, you felt like the Bengals needed, like they were down. Momentum was was away from them, and it would be lucky if they came back and won that game. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. And to me, like, you're right. I, I, I totally agree. So it's not even the number of touches. It's the quality of touches where you basically told the Steelers what you were doing if you brought everyone in on that third down play. I'm with you on the fourth down and going for it. I think they should have there because it's a mentality thing and they could have seized all momentum there to start uh, the third quarter on that first drive after Erickson's big return. By the way, he leads the NFL and kickoff return yardage now. And uh, if you want a number on the, on those fourth downs going for under Marvin Lewis, 
in between the 50 and the 40, okay, so you're on the other team's side, going for it on fourth down and less than five. The Bengals have done it 13 times under Marvin Lewis. They've converted on 54%. The NFL under that, under that same span has converted on 59%. The odds are in the offense's favor that you're going to convert. It's even higher. I think it's 64% on fourth and one under Marvin Lewis. So, I mean, what are we talking about here? You gave away points and gave the Steelers points on that decision. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I just... Man, like here, here's the thing. There's so much talk about Le'Veon Bell and what's going to happen. James Conner wasn't better than Joe Mixon yesterday. They literally had the same average per carry, 5.8. And that was with the Bengals deploying him in, in a way that you even said it wasn't the most successful, especially in the, at times in the second half. To me, if Big Ben and an offense that has Juju Smith-Schuster – has a, a tight a tight end trio, honestly, that was dashing the Bengals. Antonio Brown, and they're still running the ball 19 times with uh, with James Conner. Why would you not get Joe Mixon more touches? It just it makes all of the sense in the world. It would have helped the defense. It would have helped Andy even more. It would have freed up maybe a deep shot to AJ Green, which apparently isn't allowed anymore. Uh, all of the, when, are we going to see that again? No, yeah. uh, apparently AJ he's 30. He can't run deep anymore. I. I, I just I am baffled at this offense, and people are putting this loss on the defense, and I understand it. The numbers are ugly. It was 28-21. The offense scored 21 points. They had four yards of offense in the third quarter. That cannot, in today's NFL, you will never win. They're lucky they only lost by seven. They're lucky they were even in the game. Four yards of total offense in the in a quarter? That's That's next to impossible to do that and win, and they almost did it. Uh, but but it can't continue. They and if you think against Kansas City that they're going to be able to do that, like they they better run the ball a ton against the Chiefs next Sunday night to even have a chance against Pat Mahomes in that group. Every single week we've talked, James, after the game, we've mentioned how the defense looks so much better when the offense has the game closer or has taken the lead, and. You can't have 14 points with two minutes remaining in the game and expect that defense to actually look good. Watch the rest of the league. I know there's a lot of fans who will just watch the Bengals and then shut it off, especially after a loss. Defenses are trash in the NFL. They aren't doing anything. The offenses have the whatever they want to do with them. They want to throw it, they can throw it. You want to run it, you can run it. You can do anything against these NFL defenses. They can't do a thing. You should put up 25 points a game. If you're not, you've lost. You've already lost. You should expect to lose if you're not putting up 25. And, you know, we're watching right here, and we say, yeah, they scored at the very end, but they gave the, 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 the Steelers the ball at the end, and I'm sure we'll, t- we'll talk about that. But you're right. you got the Chiefs coming up, and not to get too far ahead on that either, but the Chiefs are going to put up 30. Can this offense, what we've seen the last couple weeks, can this offense put up 30 points? It's funny because the first few weeks we're like, man, here they are averaging 31 points a game. Now I'm not sure they can do that. And even against a a bad Chiefs team, this might get into a shootout really quick. They need their offense to be top form next week. They do, a top form. And, And let's talk about one more thing with this offense because obviously when you don't have Giovanni Bernard, when you don't have Tyler Eifert, when you don't have Tyler Croft, and you don't have John Ross. Those are all losses. I mean, say what you want about Tyler Croft. He had seven touchdowns last year. Uh, he was a, a big part when Eifert went down of their offense. And I know C.J. Uzama has played well, but having Croft would certainly alleviate things. This Bengals offense giving snaps that are meaningful to Cody Core, giving meaningful snaps to Josh Malone, a- anyone like that. 
Clearly, they don't like either one. They got a total of 13 snaps between the two. Core had two drops. This team desperately, given that Tyler Croft could be out for the season, he's going to potentially have foot surgery. He has a broken foot. He's out for a while, minimum. Eifert out for the year. Geo, I don't think he goes this week. I still think an MCL, that's tough. I still think he's probably at least a week away. If they don't have John Ross for Kansas City, I don't see the path to that. Even with relying on Mixon, they need Ross back. He's such a a difference maker, and people are going to laugh at me for saying that. Oh, the John Ross guy thinks Ross is so good. Dude, he would have mattered yesterday. And him not being out there mattered, and, and they need to get him back. If they don't have him against Kansas City, it's uh, it's all uphill. When you watch the film, what what kind of loss is Ross? How did Cody Core do in Obviously, he had some drops. Uh, what What is the drop-off there from Ross to that fourth wide receiver, whether it's Malone um, or anyone at Malone, Core, Erickson, et cetera? Yeah, it's that third receiver, yeah. it's Well, you got Erickson, who's a trustworthy guy. I think a lot of people like him, but he's averaging about six and a half yards per catch. His average depth of target is about six yards a catch. Um that's it. He's not breaking tackles after the catch. He's not threatening anybody deep. That safety, that corner, they don't respect it at all. When you watch the tape, it's like, yeah, that's what it looked like with LaFell and Boyd last year before Boyd, you know, hit this third year um, where he really took off. But you're, you can't have – honestly, this offense, what's the difference of it from last year right now? They, you really don't have anybody different besides the elevated play of Andy Dalton, Joe Mixon, and getting A.J. Green into the slot and Tyler Boyd. Makes a big difference, but the weapons and what you're creating, the mismatches aren't there right now, and they're missing that. And, and you, when you look at it, Core, they bring him in. He only played nine snaps, was targeted three times. They're bringing Core in over Alex, Alex Erickson because – of that speed because he can at least get downfield and stretch the field, but he can't catch. He hasn't caught a pass since his rookie year. He's in his third year now. He hasn't caught his last seven targets, and they've all almost been deep balls. His average depth for target is crazy, like 18 yards uh, per target. He is not he's not a receiver. I don't care if special teams is getting him on the field. You don't have to use him on the offense. Josh Malone is a fast guy. I don't know what's going on with him in his sophomore year, but he's getting four snaps a game. They do not trust him or like him at this point. And you got to say, well, where's Auden Tate? And maybe if Malone's got to sit a few games, you bring in Tate. I know Tate doesn't help on special teams, but neither is Malone either. He's got one snap over the last three weeks on special teams. So there is some room to play there. But John Ross is needed. I mean, I don't want to watch Cody Cora be the guy to stretch the field only to drop two passes. I can watch John Ross drop two passes and stretch the field too. I, I want that number nine pick out there doing it, and we know he's important. I mean, anyone who watches it know, knows that he's opening things up for other guys, opening it up for Boyd and, and Green and the tight ends. So um, they need him. They need to get him back. And the other one to, to mention is uh, Mark Walton. And he's averaging one yard per ca- per carry. And after the preseason, when he averaged like 1.4 yards per carry, and he's out there 19 snaps this week. So we say, yeah, you can lean on Mixon, but man, or 19 snaps is a good chunk for Walton, and that that's a big impact. And he's out there for 17 pass plays in pass protection. And I thought last week he he gave up a sack uh, against the blitz, uh, and then this week now. They are to trust him more than Mixon, but at the same time, you are talking about a rookie, and he's not making the plays in the passing game that Mixon and Geo do. So it is an impact, and I know a lot of fans will, will give you, and I'm sure you got it after you, you know the inactives come out. Or you say, "Man, they're missing a lot of guys." You'll get well, next man up. Yeah, next man up sounds great until that next man up sucks, and right now that's what they're getting. 
There's still plenty to discuss with Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. We'll continue our conversation in just a second. But first, it's time to talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. No more awkwardness. No more in-person doctor visits. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. They're made in the U.S. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal just since you listen to Locked on Bengals. Visit BlueChew.com. And get your first shipment free when you use special promo code LOCKED ON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E CHU.com, promo code LOCKED ON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Joe, let's talk about this defense more. We obviously talked about the pass rush. There's some other stuff I want to talk to you about. And let's talk about Von Tez Perfect. Uh, by the way, Ian Rappaport reporting that Perfect is not expected to be suspended for his actions on Sunday. Um, there will be several plays, as expected, that will be reviewed, and he could get fined. Obviously, the elbow to Antonio Brown and Antonio Brown and Jesse Bates, which I can't believe he elbowed Jesse Bates, who is my was favorite. Was that an elbow? Man, I thought it was a straight-up shoulder. It might have been a shoulder. It might have been a shoulder. Rappaport tweeted uh, elbow. I think it was a mixture of an elbow-shoulder. I mean, they're connected. Uh, sure they are. <laughs> but uh, anyways, he will not be suspended for that. I didn't really – Here's my thing with Perfect. I know I'm going to get that. I know he's going to take his shots. My problem with Vontez Perfect is I didn't notice him much. Here are the plays I noticed them on, Joe, and obviously you went back and you watched the film. But there was a, a play on third down, goal line stand, where him and Sam Hubbard, Sam Hubbard first, stopped James Conner, I believe. Mm-hmm. There was a play where James Conner broke a tackle that Perfect had. He had him wrapped up, and Conner got out of it, kept running. Yeah. Uh, Vance McDonald ran him over, broke his tackle. Perfect hit him up high and got ran over, and he injured his shoulder on the play. And then he almost had an interception in the middle that would have been a game-changing play, but he didn't make it. Vontez Perfect has to be better to be worth the headache of, oh, is he going to be suspended next week? Oh, is he going to get fined? Oh, is he going to get flagged? And, and he put himself in jeopardy yesterday with the hit on Antonio Brown, and I get it. He hit Bates, too. I thought it was kind of blown up on Twitter Twitter a little more just because it's perfect, or a lot more, honestly, because I, I think that linebackers make that hit all the time, and maybe it's flagged and, and maybe fine, but that's it. To me, 
Vontez Perfect didn't play well yesterday overall. Now, I get he's better than most of the Bengals, or if not all the Bengals linebackers, even when he's playing at the level he did yesterday. But when you watch the film, what did you see from Perfect yesterday? He is who he is. And, you know, outside of the energy and the, the mental you know, advantage, I, I feel he does provide for that defense, even though I don't think we've seen it through two games. Um he is a big power downhill linebacker. He doesn't want to be out in space, even though he's made some plays in pass coverage. He's not the guy you want covering one-on-one. Um, and I think Big Ben took advantage of it a couple times, pump faking, getting perfect out of the way, and hitting Vance McDonald afterwards. Uh, there was a couple plays where we talked about where Connor gets out in the space and McDonald gets out there and he makes a perfect miss. You're right. I'm with you on if he's going to be a headache, which he is because he's constantly under the microscope, but at the same time, he constantly wants to toe the line and be a habitual line stepper. And because of it, I want fantastic Vontez Perfect, mm-hmm. right? Yep. We, we want the guy that we've seen. We've seen it. And when he's that way, we're like, man, that's, yeah, that's worth it. You know, that's our guy. That's our James Harrison. He might be a, a bit of a knucklehead, but man, when he plays like that, this defense is hard to beat. We just haven't gotten it in two games. I mean, it's only been two games. And of course, after missing a quarter of the season, you're going to be a little bit rusty and, and, and maybe not in top form. But, man, he, he's got to get in the top form pretty quickly before he gets suspended again because, I mean, you can't play the way you do and play so reckless. And he wasn't bad completely the entire game. He did, he did have a couple stops and a couple run stops and a couple plays on the goal line that I, I really appreciated. But there are often plays with this linebacking unit where you just wonder if these guys are – are in the right position or doing what they're supposed to do or athletic enough to, to really make a play. And I think once Nick, Nick Vigil went down, um, it was very apparent the lack of athleticism at, at that second level because Vinny Ray replaced um, Vigil. It wasn't Jordan Evans, even though Evans did play some. Uh, and when you saw it, a Vinny Ray, a Preston Brown, and, and Vontaze Perfect, it was, there was a lot of plays where you're just like, man, they can't get to the outside. And that's where Connor Williams was attacking them. I mean, uh, James Connor, I'm sorry, was uh, was attacking them, was on the outside edge. And there were so many plays where the linebacker just couldn't get there. And mainly as, as I'm watching Vontaze Perfect, I, you know, it, you were reminded of him being, yeah, he's, he's going to get to a lot of plays because of his mental awareness, but he is a tight athlete, man. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. You mentioned Nick Vigil. Let's discuss uh, Nick Vigil's injury. How big of a loss is that for the Bengals' defense? He's been their best linebacker, and he's their most athletic guy that plays because I think Evans is probably that guy, and Jefferson also could be, could match it, um, maybe even more. But, you know, he doesn't play, and, I, and the word is he's not ready at all. Um, but Vigil is the guy. He's playing like 95% of the snaps when he was in there. Uh, he was leading the league in defensive stops. His tackle efficiency was seventh in the league, even though he's had a few misses. Uh, he's been in almost every single place. His tackle numbers were high. I want to say he was third in total tackles. He's going to be missed big time, man. If he's out for the year, that's, a, that's two years in a row for him. We always say linebackers a big need, but, man, it's just like they can't catch a break there. It's just, they're always missing somebody. Someone's always getting hurt. Perfect's always suspended, and that one-year rental veteran linebacker just doesn't seem to ever work out for them. And here we are again. It's Groundhog Day, and yeah. the linebacker, linebacking unit is no good. Yeah, I, it's, and I, I saw him. He was on crutches with a, a knee brace, and I'm guessing it's something serious with that left knee. Well, maybe no more. Later today, Marvin Lewis hasn't spoke today, but uh, we'll see there. But, yeah, it's just awful news there. A couple more injuries I want to get to. How big of a loss would it be if Darquez Denard was to miss significant time? I'm hearing separated right shoulder. 
Um, he injured it on that play, that really good catch by Juju Smith-Schuster. But uh, how big of a loss would that be if he were to miss significant time? Um, it's a big loss. Obviously, if you're going from – and we talked about this, that we like their three corners, first-round picks, right, guys that have played for them, guys you can trust for the most part. You know, Kirkpatrick's a little up and down. But at the same time, you, I think we all like this unit coming in. We were concerned with the depth, and mostly it was because Tony McRae and then two draft picks, right, with, with uh, Darius Phillips, who played four snaps but had two impact plays, two really good tackles on Vance McDonald, right? Um, and, and Devontae Harris, who's on IR and may be recalled after week eight. But as of right now, if Denard's missing some time and – Depending on the severity of the of the separation, uh, it can be a complete A through C joint tear, and, and if that's the case, he's out for a while. And they're football players, so maybe he could come back after you know a month or two. But at the same time, it's going to affect him, and especially at a position where he's the most physical guy in there, especially from their corners. He's the one who, you know, that last play, and we'll probably talk about it, where McRae doesn't get over on 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 the inside of of uh, Antonio Brown. I'd like to see Denard in that position, and that, that's part of next man up. But McRae is not Darquez Denard, and <laughs> the, that communication between William William Jackson and and McRae was there, where it looks like they both understand it. But McRae does, still doesn't move over, and then can't get inside. Not not only pre snap, but then post snap, and it's wide open for Antonio Brown. Um, I, I want I, I'm willing to bet Darquez Denard fights through that a little bit harder than that, and maybe gets in there, forces the flag because he's going to fight through it so hard and make it so blatant. Um, I think it's a big loss, even though he gave up two big catches to Juju Smith-Schuster. But honestly, the one, the touchdown, and that's probably where he got hurt, was a fantastic catch by by the Steelers receiver. And you almost can't fault him. I mean, I, for a second there, I thought Denard picked it off. And then they lay did. on the ground. Yeah, and, and it's probably because his arm separated, his shoulder separated, that he probably couldn't wrestle it back, right? And then, um, so, you know, it is what it is. He gets hurt, but... They it will be a loss if they don't have him because right now they're at their best when they're in a nickel package and the Steelers kept them out of it and kept them in their base defense. But now if you have a weakness at and in the inside, watch the NFL around the league and they're attacking the slot position even with good slot corners. Slot we see it on the Bengals right on get it. Yeah, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green. The Bengals' offense is living out of the slot this year. Tyler Reifert when he was here. So, um, you know, you see offenses attack that position constantly. They create from that spot. And without Denard, it's going to be a, a, a big issue to, to fix it and cover it up. I don't know if that means Tony McRae. I'd like to see more Darius Phillips. I'd like to see Devontae Harris when he comes back. If he can get in there, I'd like to see them go out and, and maybe sign a free agent or, or, you know, look to see what's on the trade block. But, Another thing is Jesse Bates did it a little bit. If you want, if, if Sean Williams is back from concussion protocol and Clayton Fedulum is playing more snaps of safety, maybe you can bring Jesse Bates down and cover a little bit. But at the same time, Bates has been so good as a deep free guy, I'd hate to get him inside and, and, and lose some of that. So it is a big loss. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a big loss. You mentioned that final play. Let's talk about it. And there's a, a couple good breakdowns at uh, LockedOnBengals.com of this play. Joe, let me get your take. Tony McRae and William Jackson the third communicate pre-snap. Talk about that. Talk about what happened um, and your thoughts on whether or not it was legal or illegal. Yeah, they're, um, the Bengals start showing blitz, right? So to lead up to this, you got the questionable um, – uh, illegal contact down the field by uh, Drake Kirkpatrick. Big Ben is out of the pocket. I'm, I struggle to see how that was a penalty. Um, but anyways, the next play is Bengals have a middle of the field open defense with a cover two look. Juju Smith-Schuster, easy gain. No one's on him because that's just the, the zone coverage they're in. So now it's about a 50-yard field goal. And the clock's running. Um, well, the Steelers may have taken time out. doesn't matter. What I mean is there's 40 seconds left or so at this point. Um, 
The Bengals show this blitz, and I think the idea is here to show it, and then one of these guys are supposed to back out because you almost never go cover zero there and not have, especially for the Bengals, they, I haven't seen them maybe do that all year. And without like a one of those guys dropping back, even if it's Sam Hubbard dropping back or something, normally they have someone to get into that short window. Um, and so when you see Antonio Brown motion right away, I, as the play's going, it's almost like slow motion for me. I'm like, okay, you see this all the time with the Steelers. They, they're going to motion Antonio Brown behind him and try and get an, an easy pick play. And um, and you, Jackson and McCray look like they see it instantly. Yep, okay, they communicate. And uh, um, Andrew Hawkins did a great job breaking that down, saying, you know, telling them it's top hat coverage. Meaning, and people have asked, well, why is McCray up so close, and why is William Jackson back off? Well, that's what you do versus a stacked receiver look. And it's mostly it's to protect because when you stack receivers, they get a free release, especially that back guy, and he can just cut off the, the other receiver, and you, it's hard to cover those guys. It's a man beater. You call that versus man coverage because it's an easy way to get that backside guy open, and the Bengals do it all the time also. So as soon as that happens, Jackson backs off, and you see that inside is just wide open. And Ben sees it. Everyone sees it. I mean, if you watch it again, even if you didn't know the play, if you paused it right there, you would know what's going to happen. And um, it's a quick, easy pass. McCray, here's the thing. You watch it in slow motion. McCray has his eyes on Brown. He knows he's switching. He's going to switch to Brown if Brown keeps cutting across the middle of the field. But Brown stops just short of getting behind Washington, I think it was. I can't remember who the receiver was. Um, but uh, – and when he does that, McCray kind of bounces towards the boundary, just a half a step, and that opens up the inside even more. So as he tries to recover now and come back to his left, that receiver's right there on him, and they, they're blocking and they're initiating contact, as the head referee would say, right, that, 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 uh, that McCray initiated that contact. But at the same time, what it should have been instead, in my opinion, is McCray, as soon as the snap comes, leans towards the inside, expecting, okay, I've got inside and short here with this coverage combination with, with Jackson. Jackson's got deep and boundary for whatever, whichever way they switch. Um, and he doesn't do that. Instead, he goes inside. He's, he's too locked on to what Brown is doing rather than what the, what the coverage is, what the scheme is, knowing where the weakness of the scheme is. The weakness of that play, of that blitz, is inside. You want to make sure they don't do that and make sure they don't cross your, cross your face, and he allows them to do it. Is it pass interference or, or um, a, you know, legal blocking or a pick play? Maybe because he's a yard too far down the field, but at the same time, you see this constantly around the league. You see it all the yeah, time. Absolutely. It's called maybe once out of ten plays. And on that play right there, they swallowed their whistle because it's such a crucial end-of-the-game situation. The idea of a blitz is to get that short throw. You make a tackle. All right, Steelers burn a, burn a timeout and probably kick a field goal 50, 45-yarder, whatever the case may be. Um, and it didn't work out, obviously. And because of it, you know, we're going to scrutinize the play call, which we probably should. I thought the comments from Perfect walking to the locker room that were caught were pretty interesting. How he's, it looked like he was telling Geo, we never even run that in practice. Why did that happen um, is what you can kind of pick up from it. And, and it's interesting because, you know, you, you call a blitz because the pass rush really wasn't getting there all game. And so you're trying, to, you're trying to force them into a quick throw instead of beating you deep and, and kick a long field goal. And because you've got a backup in there that doesn't, Maybe under he may understand his responsibility, but he doesn't understand the entire defense and where the where the weaknesses and the void is on that defense. And if he does um, and still didn't get inside, then that's an even bigger problem. So a lot happened on that play, and it's you know it's not the big, the the non call isn't the biggest reason why they lost, in my opinion. I think there's a lot of other non calls in that game. I think there's a lot of weird flags in that game, but at the same time, it's because you got a backup in that didn't make the play when it was needed. 
He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. By the way, Joe, I just saw this. Apparently it's a, a MCL sprain for a Nick Vigil. So that might be okay. that might be good news. Probably keep him out a month or, or more. But uh, if that's all it is, and again, I just saw a note, quick note come across. Um, if that's all it is, that's certainly uh, good news well, all in all when you're talking about how serious the, the injury was for him. Definitely, because we don't want to see Vinny Ray out there or Hardy Nickerson. So <laughs> when, as, as much as we can limit that, can, can we get Jordan Evans to be able to play more than one position? Because, man, I'd like to see him on the field more I agree. I think, because, he, I think he's the best out of that, like, that group of guys. Yeah, of the backups. And I don't know what's going on, that he can only play the weak side spot. I mean, like, come on. Why is Nickerson your backup middle linebacker? Why is Vinny Ray your backup weak side guy? And only, right? Remember Vinny Ray used to play every position. Yeah. Is, is this a Terrell Austin thing? I think so. You know what I mean? Who, who else would it be? It would have to be him. Right, because that's the only thing that's changed. The Bengals have always said, get your best three linebackers out there, right? And, and no matter what position it was, now it's like they're, they're stuck in one spot only. And I don't like that, man. Yeah, I hear you. Joe, I hope next week when we're having this conversation, we're talking about a huge primetime victory over Kansas City, but I'm not. No, we are not done. What? James. What? We're not done. What do we have to the talk about? The Bengals should have wasted time before scoring. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, we do have to talk about that. Real we quick. have to talk about uh, that. Okay. That uh, was as important. So, in a good example, you're right. And before I say goodbye, that's good. So, the Bengals get the ball 332 to go. Yesterday, last night, uh, Kansas City kicked off, just tied it, kicked off to New England. Tom Brady yep. and the Patriots had 303 to go. Patriots win it with a kick at the gun. Meanwhile, the Bengals, um, they get down and score with 118 to go. Um, your thoughts on it? To me, it, it's a mixture of things, but but I think that, that Andy obviously needs to be aware of the clock. Uh, and Bill Lazor, Marvin, whoever, you need to be aware of things, and, and they certainly weren't on, on that drive. And especially the after the big play over the middle to A.J. Green, Minute 30s and some change, running, running clock there. They have two timeouts. The Steelers have three timeouts, okay? The Steelers elect to let that clock roll. The Bengals are now in position. So the Steelers are playing like, okay, we're going to bet on our defense at this point. That's when, as soon as they're inside that red zone now, I think the ball lands at the 11, I want to say, uh, or in that range. Um, so they're starting at the 11, rolling clock. And as soon as that happens, the game is now different. The game is completely different. Your odds of winning that game are like 40% for the Bengals. That's pretty solid. You know, so you have to now the, the clock becomes a weapon for the offense, for the team that's going to score and potentially give that ball back to the other, the, to the other team. It is now your weapon to, to wield if you, if you so choose. The Bengals did not. They snapped the ball with 17 seconds left on the play clock on the next play. Uh, they snap it with a minute 24 on, on the game clock. So you snap it, quick pass to A.J. Green, and you see by the Steelers' reaction, the Steelers let A.J. Green catch an out route and walk out of bounds. They, yeah. they have no concern with it. I don't even know why you called the out route there. Exactly. You don't do that because you, you do it, and it, it stops. If you go back to the drive before they score in the, in the second quarter, it, they call the same exact play, and A.J. Green walks right out um, on his own. So, like, it's the same exact play, only flipped. And it's funny that they do it again with two double out routes, and they hit A.J. Green. But the, you look at the Steelers' secondary, and they're like, okay, yep, just run right out of bounds, A.J., do what you want, because that works in their favor. They don't have to waste the timeout. The clock doesn't keep rolling. They know they're going to get the ball back here. Sure, they want to still just stop the Bengals' offense, but they also need to preserve time in case the Bengals score, because offenses have the advantage in the NFL today. So, boom, boom, two plays happen. They take two seconds off the clock for that play. 
There's a minute 22 left. They score on the next play. It looks like the Steelers may even let Joe Mixon score. They really weren't giving 100% effort there. Um, I think, in my opinion, not only do you not pass it to A.J. Green out of bounds on that play, you run it up the middle then. First and 10 from the 11-yard line with a rolling clock, you make the Steelers burn their timeouts at the very least. If the Steelers want to burn their timeouts, that's fine. Mixon's averaging 5.8 yards per carry. He scores on the next drive, easily, I mean the next play, very easily. They were going to score. I don't care. Yeah, you need to get a, you need to score to win that game. You also need to protect your defense that hasn't stopped the Steelers for most of the game, that hasn't generated a pass rush, and you don't leave the Steelers with three timeouts to, to, to move down. They only needed a field goal if you score. You have to protect that clock, and the Bengals chose not to. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's the difference between Tom Brady and the Patriots. And the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Joe, I appreciate the time. I'll talk to you next week. Follow Joe on Twitter, by the way, at Joe Goodberry, and check out his work for The Athletic. Joe, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, James. Great stuff there from Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. He joins us every single week for our weekly Bengals film review. Subscribe to The Athletic. It is a great resource. If you check out theathletic.com slash locked on Bengals, you can get 40% off there to read Joe and check out his work. At Joe Goodberry is where you follow him on Twitter. He'll be back next week at this time to hopefully discuss what is a Bengals victory. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Back at it tomorrow where uh, we'll start to dissect this game a little bit more. Wednesday we'll have a Locked on Chiefs crossover. It's a a huge game. A huge game. It could go 4-3. and three. Looking four and three right in the face, and you got to go to Arrowhead. Tough spot for the Bengals. We will discuss that, have updates on all the injuries, and so much more this week. God, that was such a costly game. I wrote about all things Bengals Steelers at LockedOnBengals.com. Check it out there. Subscribe to the podcast. And until next time, I'm James Rapine. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.